Good, good day. Welcome. Glad to have you with us. Uh, hoping everybody uh, has a happy new year. Jordan is in from Powderhorn Guns and Archery. Brought in some uh, neat stuff for show and tell. Jordan, welcome. How are you? I'm doing glorious on this beautiful morning. <laughs> uh, is that good enough for you? <laughs> that's that's not bad. That, that sounded pretty good. I'm, I'm happy. Um, well, we got a lot of news that we have to cover. Who knew they could do that to a BB gun? Um, I'll explain that in just a few. During the weekday show, and, I, and I've been on vacation, but during the weekday show, uh, I talked uh, the last time I was on about this omnibus bill, and it really is ugly. It is really, really ugly. But there are things in it that deal with uh, the Second Amendment and uh, firearms. The folks over at uh, Gun Owners of America, uh, who, by the way, I, I'm a member of that organization as well, uh, they did a little research on this omnibus bill. Thousands and thousands of pages passed uh, virtually in the dead of night. Nobody had a chance to read it. They signed it. Um, and here's what uh, GOA has uncovered. But not GOA. We worked around the clock to analyze these gun-related provisions and alert staffers on Capitol Hill all about them. Since this bill funds everything in the government for fiscal year 2023, there's a lot we could skip over. But there is also still a ton to look at. This bill gives the ATF a massive budget hike, which will be used for gun registration, gun confiscation, and the imminent facilitation of Biden's new pistol ban. But that's not the only funding given to the ATF. Because our crack team of lobbyists, myself included, looked over the whole bill, we found a lot more anti-gun provisions snuck in all kinds of places. Here's a brief list of what we found. Directing VA medical centers to utilize confiscation orders on vulnerable veterans. Because nothing says we respect those who serve by taking their rights away. Department of Education to push mandatory safe storage of parents' firearms. Because Merrick Garland thinks parents concerned about schools are domestic terrorists. Funding for VA to maintain gun storage maps to keep tabs on where veterans keep their guns. Because knowing how many guns you have isn't good enough. The feds need to know exactly where in the house they are just before they confiscate them. New annual compensation for families of deceased ATF agents could be an indication of upcoming gun confiscation. Gun control earmarks for orchid healing circles and more. Because public funds for traumatized victims of violence should be spent to traumatize them again with orchid healing circles. We used to meet in person, but now because of this situation, we put that online. But now, people from all over the world can access to this healing circle. That's wonderful. Dicky violations galore, while CDC suppresses self-defense statistics. Because it's easier to fund bad research with untrustworthy agencies like the CDC with your hard-earned tax dollars. Programs discouraging women from exercising their Second Amendment rights. Because I guess the government doesn't believe in women's rights if that right includes the right to keep and bear arms. There's also anti-gun community violence intervention initiatives. Because it wouldn't be fair if only the federal government was oppressive. The state and local governments can oppress you too. And last but not least, violent anti-government ideology and domestic radicalization research. Because if you ever said shall not be infringed, you probably need to be investigated for terrorism. Worst of all, Mitch McConnell is already on board with this trillion dollar gun grab. He stated that the omnibus achieves all of his priorities. Making sure the Defense Department can deal <clears throat> with the major threats coming from Russia and China, providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians. That's the number one priority for the United States right now. 
according to most Republicans. That's sort of how we see the challenges confronting uh, the country at the moment. After McConnell just shunned gun owners in the midterm elections, we need to speak up and ensure that our priorities are heard loud and clear to stop this train wreck of a bill before it's voted on by the end of the week. Well, a little too late for that now. Uh, Jordan, are you at all surprised at the number of anti-gun rules that that they've and funding that they managed to squeeze in there? And not considering the the changes that are coming and they're, you know, in their last days of being in control and you kind of expect all of that to at least us us average folk kind of expect the uh, the wonderful politicians that we all love so much to uh, to do things like that you know the the republicans are supposed to be the party of small government and second amendment supporters and yet a lot of republicans including roy blunt signed yeah. on to that omnibus bill uh which tells me they are really unprincipled y- yes i think Gosh, it's got to be hard to vote on anything like that, and that's the point, isn't it? Is yeah. To make it cover so many areas so that if you do a vote against it because of the the Second Amendment problems, then, oh, well, you also voted against more money to Russia, more money to fight Russia, more money for this. You voted against all of these other things, and so it's got to be a really difficult thing to do to because it just includes so much crud. And that's a, that, that is the problem with omnibus-type bills is it's just so many things. Things and see, they they should have been passing their you know yep. uh, these things all through the year, yep. one at a time. But what they did, and they didn't do this by accident. No. They waited until the very last minute, so they could do exactly what you described, and nobody would say no. Mm-hmm. By the way, I am uh, chairman of the board. Have been at Downsize DC for years. We have three key pieces of legislation: one subject at a time. Read the bills. Write the laws. If the Republicans, who at one point just a few years ago had a Republican House, Senate, and President, had signed that into law, this wouldn't have been possible. Kind of disappointed. Yeah, I don't, I don't see a path for this being able to change anytime soon, no matter who's, who's in charge there. It's just seems- Do you realize that... BATF, uh, you know, uh, burn them and turn them to fire, at least that's what I think that meant after Waco. Uh, they are getting in excess of a billion dollars, I think one and a quarter billion dollars. Woo! That's, that's insane. And I will tell you, they need more money for some things, like to process Form 4s and uh, some other NFA items because they don't have enough people. But I, I, I'm going to guess that none of that's going to go to help help do any of that. Yeah, that'd be like the IRS agents and all that extra money. No, no, we're not coming after you. No. Unbelievable. Um, All right, listen, uh, we have a a guy who modified a BB gun. I didn't know you could do this. Did you read the story? I I did, and I guess if if safety and longevity is never a care, you can do anything out there you want to do. But, man, it was kind of weird to watch. The first time I read it, I was like, no. A BB gun? (laughs) All right. We'll explain what that's all about. Una momento. You're listening to Gary on Gun. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad glad to be with you. Jordan is uh, is on board with us this morning. And uh, we were uh, talking about uh, this BB gun story. This this is really, um, well, it's unique. A guy in Thailand has been arrested because apparently he would buy um, BB guns. Uh, for roughly two hundred and thirty dollars, 
And then having seen some YouTube video, I don't know where he found the YouTube video, but it taught him how to convert them into actual firearms, and he would sell them for roughly $430. So he'd make $200 profit on, on each modified BB gun. Powderhorn guns and archery are going to go out of... You know, you guys are going to have a hard time uh, competing with, with that. <laughs> or I'll have to start carrying more BB guns or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, people have done this before. I remember back in 2015, there was a, a kind of uproar about this, and the, the people were mad the ATF wasn't doing anything about it. A guy was converting M4 BB guns or airsoft guns into into semi-automatic uh, 22 rifles. But, yeah, it's, it's amazing what people will... Uh, will do out there just to make a couple extra bucks but uh most of those in the 2015 era that they made did not last very long usually 25 to 35 rounds was about most people ever got out of them before the pressures involved with with real ammunition started to cause problems well i'm just wondering if they you know have a way to to build a you know a, a mercedes-benz online uh, i mean i, I get, watched get one on amazon <laughs> i watched a guy build an ar-15 out of a shovel they they showed the video. He was hammering away, heating things up, and he he made himself. Uh, I, I'm sorry, not an, did I say AK-47? Because that's what he was making, uh, not an AR. Out of a shovel. How now do you learn to do that? Who's the first guy that said, "Hey, you see that shovel over there? <laughs> I, I bet I can make that an AK-47." We think of some of the early zip guns. I mean, how many people could you could go to Westlakes and make a firearm and with without doing much custom work in about twenty five or thirty minutes? If your definition of firearm is it will fire a shell one time at least, and uh, nothing about safety or accuracy, it's it's not that complicated to do. Wow, it's a ghost gun. <laughs> it's right. You have to put a serial number on that piece of pipe now, but yeah, Casper will <laughs> certainly carry one of these. <laughs> Uh, Casper the Friendly Ghost. Uh, if you're too young to know, does it, is that still on the on TV? Brian, <laughs> is that still on TV? Casper the Friendly Ghost, or is this just? I didn't see it this morning when I tuned in, but uh, you were. But you did see Roadrunner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Good. Me, me. Good. 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 Um, it, uh, yeah. Well, anyway, that's what this guy was doing, and he got in big trouble for it. But I had no idea you could actually do that. Uh, with a BB gun, and I certainly wouldn't feel comfortable firing that. Um, no. just strikes me as... Wouldn't you have to ream out the barrel to make it larger to accommodate a... Uh, he was buying separate barrels for them. Oh, wow. Some, but there are twenty-two caliber air rifles, so you, you do have some, but most of them are the seventeen caliber, uh, you know, uh, BB guns. But there are twenty twos. but yeah, you can put a new barrel on it, which isn't hard, because anything to stand up to a twenty-two, you, you can go down to Westlake, sir. Or, or any hardware store and get a piece of metal that that'll work for. It'll be wow. smooth bore, so it'll be interesting. But, uh, yeah, you, you can do all of that. Jeez. I don't uh, recommend that. Yeah, No, I don't either. <laughs> you know what? Just uh, stop by Powderhorn Guns and Archery okay. and, and pick up the real McCoy. It, you'll feel a lot safer you, using it. You can get a real twenty two rifle for like $110. So let's just let's do it that way. Really? That's all? Just 110 bucks? Oh, yeah. You got a lot of bolt-action stuff from uh, Mossberg and, and uh, Rossi and stuff like that that starts around that 100 to $130, yeah, to get kids in their first guns or even adults in their first little 22s, yeah. And you got those in stock? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Chris was cleaned us out of quite a few things, but we still got a few of those left over. <laughs> Good. That's actually uh, kind of nice to hear. <laughs> 
Uh, let's bring some uh, news a little closer to home. A Missouri judge has ruled that a pardon from the governor doesn't mean that the St. Louis lawyer and his wife, who gained national attention for waving guns at racial injustice protesters, I like the way the Associated Press worded that, uh, not trespassers, uh, not a mob of, uh, of uh, trespassers. No, no, they were racial injustice protesters <laughs> in 2020. Um, should get back the weapons they surrendered and fines they paid after a guilty pleas last year. Um, so this just seems so outrageous. McCloskey sued last year to have uh, returned his Colt AR-15 and Bryco 380 uh, pistol that he and his wife surrendered when uh, they pled guilty, pleaded guilty. Uh, to charges stemming from a confrontation with protesters. McCloskey said he was entitled to the guns and remitted fines because the governor, Governor Parson, pardoned him and his wife weeks after their guilty pleas. On Wednesday, Judge Moriarty ruled that the pardon had no bearing on the plea agreement. Uh, plaintiff and his wife are required to follow through with their end of the bargain. Uh, McCloskey said they felt threatened by the protesters. You know, at first, what they did was tactically stupid. <laughs> I mean, it was deadly tactically stupid. If somebody in that crowd had a gun and fired at them, who would they, they wouldn't know where to fire back. <laughs> Secondly, they have no protection. They're not behind a wall. They're not behind a barrier. Third, they're standing there with one gun that can't work and another gun that's unloaded. I can't think of a more reckless scenario. I, that doesn't mean I think what they did was illegal. They were, you know, ostensibly protecting their property against trespassers. But, Jordan, that has got to be the dumbest. That's dumber than stupid. Yeah, I, I really hate to Monday morning quarterback anybody because, you know, how many of us were prepared before any of this happened to be sitting in our living rooms and then all of a sudden hear noises, have a rush of people of, you know, hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of people doing what was <laughs> whatever that fancy word was you used uh, <laughs> and doing all of that stuff. So you hate to Monday morning quarterback anybody, but yeah, that's not what you'd really want to do um, by any means. I'm, I'm really surprised this guy hasn't gotten a lifetime free supply of these from the manufacturer yet. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's that's not exactly the, the best way to protect your, your property and yourself. Um, but then again, what, what was the right answer? What was the right thing in the time to do just to go out there, maybe unarmed, or just to stay inside your house and wait and ah. make sure nothing happened first? Depends on what go. you're trying to protect. Are you protecting your property or are you protecting yourself? And uh, that, that changes things a little bit. But, yeah, most of us would say you want to protect yourselves first, so you stay inside. You don't do anything until you have to do something. And yeah. you don't worry about your lawn getting trampled. You don't worry about them knocking down your fence or your um, your mailbox because you're not going to kill somebody over knocking down your, your pretty garden. So that's, that's what most of us would think. Well, I would think first, if I have a firearm, <laughs> uh, before I would brandish it, I would want to make sure that it was in working order. Secondly, I would stay inside the house uh, so they wouldn't know exactly where I was, but I would be able to protect them, uh, my house and my family, if they came through the door. Uh, that door is a fatal funnel. 
Um, That would be the thing to do. But before any of that happens, I'd be calling 911 and saying, here's the story. Here's what's going on. Um, And then uh, go to uh, that that plan B, pulling out the firearms. Yeah, brandishing a gun with the expectation that that's going to make other people scared or back down is a really dangerous assumption to have. Um, People that are either used to seeing firearms or revved up in a crowd like that, they're not going to back down because they see a firearm. Um, it's just it, it, people don't really. It's not like the movies where you pull one out and everybody kind of kind of poops their pants and goes away. That's that's not normally how it works. Even as a law enforcement officer, when we had to do those types of things, it, it was not always. In fact, most of the time, it was not that. Okay, now I'm gonna do everything you told me to do. Uh, no, it's it's still <laughs> it's still a situation that has to be handled. So you don't pull it out as as a uh, as a ex- expectation to for it to de-escalate things or for it to just make everybody do what you want them to do just because you you have a firearm all of a sudden. You know, I um, I used to have a, a friend of mine that uh, came on the program on a regular basis, uh, and uh, Joe Gilbert, and he used to talk about training people uh, uh, to, you know, to, in advance, train people to protect themselves in their homes and businesses. And I would especially think in your home, you might sit down and work out a plan that that would uh, enable you to you know in the event something suddenly comes up that you would know how to handle it uh where the family should meet uh, knowing how many people are in the house and where they're at uh, or what they should do in the event something happens like this you hear you hear somebody break down the front door uh what do you want the kids to do uh, what do you want your wife to do if you and your wife were both shooters uh, Joe used to talk about this a lot. You've got to be very, very careful and, and uh, practice this, learn this, uh, so that you don't end up shooting at each other. <laughs> and in my case, that would be very deadly because she's, Gwen's a better shot than me. <laughs> I, I could, uh, she could end up hosting the show. Yes, you need to spend time with that. I think uh, we do that with fire drills. At least we always talked about it, and we did one or two, especially when we moved into a new house with the kids. You're going to be like, okay, so... This happens. The fire alarms go off. You see smoke, you see fire. This is what you got to do. Well, it takes about, which doesn't take very long. You know, in 10 minutes of thinking, and then you rehearse it three times a year, man, you're good to go. Same thing with an intruder drill or needing to get your firearms, tornado drills, all, all of that kind of stuff. Here's what we have to do. And we have a good plan. We've practiced it. And we've had to execute it before. Uh, luckily, it was nothing, but uh, we've had to execute that before, and it, it works really well. But, man, it doesn't take much time. It really doesn't. It takes you know ten to thirty minutes of thinking about it and then talking about it a couple times a year, and man, you're, it just works. Yeah. Um, by the way, speaking of being prepared in the event, somebody, uh, Gwen and I were out looking at uh, bedroom furniture. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no. You, you, there was a nightstand that uh, it, it was just a unique nightstand, and it and this has everything to do with guns. Uh, I'll explain it in just a minute or two. But also, we talked about ghost guns, and the Biden administration is, um, well, going after what they call the ghost gun loophole. We'll talk about that as well. Jordan is with us, Potterhorn Guns and Archery. I'm Gary on Guns. Welcome to Gary on Guns. Jordan is in Potterhorn Guns and Archery. And uh, my wife and I were out looking uh, at bedroom suits, and uh, they had this nightstand. It was a really nice-looking piece. It was uh, um, sturdy. It wasn't made out of uh, fake wood. It wasn't, you know, 
laminate. It was real wood. Uh, and then the salesman, like, put his finger on a button, and the top slid forward. And what looked like uh, a, about an inch and a half thick piece of wood turned out to be not so uh, so thick. It was just a, a place to hide your gun in your nightstand. And I thought that was kind of neat. And I know there's uh, there are other pieces of furniture. I've seen other pieces like coat hooks and uh, you know, wall clocks and things like that. But I hadn't actually seen one in a furniture store before. And I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah. Uh, have, you, have you seen any of those, Jordan? I had, my dad actually had one. Uh, I think when I was like 13 or 14, he ended up with one of those. Uh, but yeah, they, yeah where the, the, the top will just slide forward. So it, it's a good place to hide stuff uh, when... Especially for people that break into the house when you're not there, and you know everybody looks for a safe and looks for gun cabinets, but uh, those are great little spots. They they can be problematic for keeping a loaded firearm that you want to respond to a threat with, just because of how I think they're too easy to get to, um, too close to the bed. I, I'm I'm not a big believer in that, but other than that, they are an awesome little piece of furniture to be able to to keep things in. Well, if your uh, you know your home is you know if they're just adults in the house, yeah. Um, I think that's uh, it's kind of handy, yeah. uh, and it certainly is <clears throat> certainly is unique. Some of the other stuff that I've seen, uh, you know, it was pretty unique too. But I'm not used to seeing them in a furniture store. I'm looking at yeah. you know places online that cater to the Second Amendment supporters and things like that. That's a good point. Yeah, uh, uh, there's no right there in a furniture store. <laughs> kind of neat. Kind of neat. Uh, show and tell is coming up about uh, about a half an hour from now, and uh, I'm seeing some neat stuff. We'll we'll share that with you, and uh, all of it will be available at Powderhorn Guns and Archery. It will all be available, right? In, yes, yes. Uh, when you guys open, and 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 uh, you might want to tell people how to get there. Uh, now, this is different than like when you're telling me where to go. It's it's different. Um, <laughs> That's more metaphysical, where I tell you yeah, where to yeah. go. <laughs> and warmer. That's right. That's right. That's right. So we're at 1915 Paris Road, uh, right across the street from, what is that, Haithman Village Shopping Center. Um, it, we're kind of tucked back in uh, next to MME, but uh, 1915 Paris Road, and uh, e e easy to get to once you know where it's at. And well worth the trip, I might add. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, ATF has changed the rules surrounding uh, what they call ghost guns. And if anybody would know, Jordan would. Um, what have they done? <laughs> well, I go, going back, let, let's go back two iterations of this. So, you know, previously you could go buy a, a piece of plastic that would be considered a, a lower that wasn't finished. And then you could uh, go buy a bunch of parts and they'd tell you where to drill and you could put together a usable handgun. So they decided that was not acceptable, and they went through and said, okay, now all of those, if you make it, has to have a serial number, and you have to have a manufacturing certificate. Uh, so in other words, you have to claim that you made it, just like you can any other firearm that you make. And also as a retailer, uh, they started telling us that we couldn't sell both a parts kit and that lower unmilled piece of plastic. Also, if you have one, and we come across one as a firearm store, anybody that purchases firearms with a, with a FFL, with a Federal Firearms License, if you come into contact with one, we are now responsible for getting it registered, where it came from, and getting serial numbers put on it. 
But I don't want to register my <laughs> my homemade, uh, handmade uh, uh, firearm. <laughs> I made it at home. It doesn't have a serial number. I don't want it to have a serial number. <laughs> well, what's the advantage of them having my serial number? Uh, you'd have to ask Mr. Mr. Biden. He's clearly a lot smarter than I am. You know, <laughs> I mean, it's just so stupid. What it, about these, you know, and then, you know, they've got these uh, 3D printers, which are really, really getting incredibly elaborate. Uh, people can print their firearms. It, it, Being able to trace a gun back is usually what they fall back to. Being able, I want to know where it came from so we can trace it if used in a crime. And that does work. But let me tell you, that's not as slick as a transaction as you think it is. Even if you buy a gun from, you know, they follow a cult uh, from manufacturer to, okay, where did it go? Okay, and then where did it go? And we get these phone calls throughout the year all the time. We need to know what you did with gun number 139287. Where, where did that firearm go? That process is successful somewhere in that 50 to 60% of the time. Because you think of how many times firearms switch hands over a 30-year career. Um, and, and how many people legally and just oh, I want that okay I think of how many I've had for less than a year because like, yeah, I bought it and yeah it's not exactly what I was looking for so we sell it and we sell it to someone else and we sell it to someone else but that is what they usually fall back to is one to be able to trace it if used in a crime um, which of course is is a, a very small uh, portion of the firearms and the people out there uh, so we all have to go through these hoops for that tiny little portion of people that uh, that do these things and i still don't know the stats and i probably never can find them no matter what i do on how many of these were used in crimes in cleveland back in the 1970s i bought a 38 revolver <laughs> and uh i'd seen another firearm that i wanted so i sold that to a patron I don't know who the guy is today. I have no idea. And if that gun ends up being used in a crime, and they trace it back to the gun store on West 140th, and they say, well, that the story ends with me, because I got no idea where it went from there. That's right. And that's how most of it occurs. We had to be careful, because that, you know, so that's why they're like, well, we should have to make everybody register every gun, and they should be able to keep it. That way, old Gary doesn't have to remember who he sold it to in 1973. Um, we'll, we'll just keep track of all that information for everybody. Well, first, uh, the old Gary thing. Um, we got to talk that, about that. That was yeah. accurate. <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> it was much later than 1973, <laughs> just, just so you know. Uh did Brian put you up to that? <laughs> old Gary. No, no, I'm sorry. I like that. Should I have added, like, poor old Gary? Does that make it sound, like, a little better, like we're being empathetic Now you're making you? me sound decrepit, you know? <laughs> I said, poor old little old Gary. Okay, so we're getting closer. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Get Chelsea back, would you please? <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, all right, so this is just so... They, they just keep changing the rules. Yeah, the ATF is really good at that right now. I mean, <clears throat> really good at changing, uh, we'll call it rules for now. Um, I mean, it's it's a lot. It is five to six times this year we've had to have meetings and emails with um, all of our entities because of the things they keep changing. And they just changed the ATF form 4473. Doesn't, I don't officially have to use it till April, but they strongly recommend it. Um, me printing it off of my computer, thousands of forms, and using my own paper and doing all that, um, and, and that's not going to happen. But they've just uh, introduced a new form, and same thing. It's, it's They've written new rules and put questions on there that I know how I have to answer them, but if I read the question to you, you'd be like, I have no idea what they're asking me. And they just keep 
I don't expect that to end. Maybe with a new Congress, but I doubt it. I think you're going to have to have uh, a few new more administration. New, new places for that to change, and they'll have to make some personnel changes. Can you give me an example of the questions? That, well, uh, they added two new questions. They changed the form a lot, but they added two new questions. And one of them is, uh, do you intend to purchase or acquire any firearm listed on this form, any continuation sheet or ammunition for sale or other disposition to any person described in questions 21C through M to a person described in question 21N1 who does not fall within a non-immigrant alien exception? Oh, my God. What are you asking me? What? And then uh, the second one was, uh, do you intend to sell or otherwise dispose of any firearm listed on this form? Um, or ammunition of any f- in continuation of any felony or other offense punishable by imprisonment for a term more than one year, a federal crime of terrorism or drug trafficking offense. What? Huh? Exactly. It's bad. So the first one's asking, are you going to give this gun at any point in your time? Are you going to give this to someone who may be an illegal alien? How do I? And when I sell person to person, I don't have to know any of that. Um, but I'm supposed to know all of that. Um, and then the second one is saying, hey, it's just another question. So that they can try to come back to you later and maybe get another federal offense on you for, hey, are you going to do anything wrong with this gun? That's really what that, that other secondary question really? is. Are, so, you, are you going to do anything wrong with this gun? Because you better you, answer yes. Are you so stupid that you're going to say yes? <laughs> Holy Toledo. Anybody that answers that yes really shouldn't have a gun. <laughs> that's that's true. And some people do, but you also use it. They can also use utilize that to go after FFL holders. So firearms stores, people who sell firearms. Because if, if any of these questions are not answered the way they're supposed to be answered, then the FFL is responsible for stopping the transaction right there. And if they don't, and they go ahead and they run this gun through the, the NIC system, and they get a proceed, and they process the firearm, and they give the firearm to old Billy, um, then the firearm store can be held. It's one more thing that the firearm store can be held responsible for, so they can shut down a few more FFLs. Because this seems like an easy form. You start doing 30, 40, 50 of these a day, and it's really easy to make simple mistakes. And even people that didn't mean to answer that, because you think those questions aren't going to get answered wrong. I mean, because they're going to look at us and go, how do I answer this one? I'll be like, well, you have to read the back questions. I cannot tell you how to answer this. Uh, here's the explanation of them. Um, it, those are going to get answered wrong because they're just, they're not a complete sentence. It's just, there's no way. There's absolutely no, without a law degree and a firm understanding of what they're really trying to get to, those are really hard to answer questions. It was challenging to follow uh, as you, uh, I, yeah. I, 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 just, I would need an attorney <laughs> with me. And to maybe, figure that out, maybe that's their goal, right? Just keep it to the uh, keep it so that it makes it really hard to to do this. And as I said, they've extended a few other things in the form. Um, these don't have to go into effect till April of uh, of twenty twenty three, but it's gotten longer. It's gotten more complicated. They had to add they had to add in now that under twenty one cannot have a firearm without. A waiting period. That's what they've done. Um, any any firearm, uh, if you're under 20, you're going to get delayed. And then I think about 90% of ours so far have gotten delayed the additional 10 days. Uh, I shouldn't say additional 10 days. You get delayed for three, and then they delay it another seven, usually on that third day. That's how it's been happening for us. So 10 business days, if you're under 21, there's a 80 to 90% chance you will get delayed on any firearm purchase. You want to come buy one of those $100 single shot 22s from me? You're going to be waiting 10 business days to do it. 
and all that. So we have we have a new form that, that encompasses all of these processes now that we have to have, and the ATF has to come back to us and say this and that. That's just insane. <laughs> I really, that is just plain insane. Agreed. All right, uh, listen, here's the deal. We're up against the clock. Uh, and so we are going to uh, pause and then come back. We've got uh, little New Year's uh, things to talk about. And show and tell coming up on Gary on Guns. It is, uh, yeah, it is Gary on Guns. I was looking at uh, these firearms that are coming up next in just a few minutes on show and tell. Jordan is in Powderhorn Guns and Archery. Um, you know, New Year's. Every year, some moron goes out and fires a gun in the air to celebrate New Year's. This, Jordan, is not a particularly good idea. <laughs> what goes up must come down. Yeah. And, and several people are usually killed every year in the United States from those bullets coming back down. You know, it, you think it, you know, it, it gets to the point where uh, there is... No more, uh, you know, momentum, and then it just falls. Uh, but, boy, if you just tip that gun a little bit. Yeah. And I still don't want to get hit with a 200-grain 45 coming down at uh, whatever that velocity Terminal velocity. Is. Yeah, wh whatever that velocity is that my ninth-grade science teacher tried so hard to get me to memorize. Um, I don't want to get hit with one of those. But uh, that's And that's why you need a lot of blanks. Maybe we need to increase the blank market just so people can go out and do this. <laughs> just, is that the right so answer? Can, so they can bring in the New Year right. That's right. <clears throat> All right. Uh, I am curious about uh, New Year's resolutions. I don't normally make New Year's resolutions. I think they're just silly. But I have resolved um, that I'm going to practice more. I just don't get out enough uh, to, sh uh, to stay sharp. And uh, I'm surprised Brian didn't jump in there. That's usually the kind of thing where he, you know, takes advantage. But uh, it's, you got to practice. Uh, that's a skill that uh, will evaporate in no time. Very quickly, you'll notice a degradation of your top 10%. I mean, within weeks, you'll notice a degradation of that top percent, 10% of your skill. Um, you know, like riding a bike, that 70% of your skill level, it takes a long time for that to go away. But boy, that top 30% is some of the most important stuff. That's the trigger control. That's the breathing. That's the uh, being able to move and shoot if, if you've moved on to that level. Um, you start to lose that really, really quick. I probably go through 10,000 rounds a year outside of training. You know, training, you'll go through a bunch in a week or so. But outside of, of, of formalized uh, training courses, either I'm attending or I'm giving, I think we shoot about, about 10,000 a year between me and the kids. Do you wow. shoot that many? Uh, wow, that's more... <laughs> That's a lot. Uh, I will tell you that. <laughs> that's, that's why I shoot nine millimeter too. Try to keep and twenty two to make sure I keep it affordable. Yeah, keep it affordable, uh, and that's a that's a good reason to have a, a twenty two, isn't it? Yeah, I mean it's a, it's a great way to practice. It all uh, does things the same: trigger control, side alignment, moving, breathing, decision making is all. Uh, besides dry fire, we do a ton of dry fire, and now we've got one of those uh, Mantis X. Um, uh, we're not going to get into all that. But a dry fire training aid that kind of tells you how you're hitting and what you're doing. You trace it on a computer so you can kind of see what, what, what your shot doing and things like that. But uh, we do we do a lot of that. And now that the kids get older, I've noticed it harder. Harder to get my daughter to do it. She's 18, so she's, you know, 
she's busy 93% of the time. So it's hard to get her to do much anymore. But uh, I still do it. My wife still does it. My son now, he's 14. So, of course, he's super into going to the range and doing anything. So it's easy to keep him uh, entertained. But, uh, yeah, training, very, very good. There are a variety of places you can go uh, to practice. Uh, Probably my favorite place is Green Valley. Uh, Just, it's got everything. It's a nice facility. It's been there for a long time. Um, you know, it's, it's outside. That's about the only downfall this time of year, even though it's a pretty nice day today. But last week, I wouldn't have been caught <laughs> out there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they have everything from your stand there at uh, three yards and shoot uh, up in the parking lot and some of those areas on out to uh, whatever you want to go shoot, depending on whether you're shooting handguns or you want to keep proficient with your rifles and your shotguns and all that stuff. Yeah, um, they've got it all. Um, and, and that's probably my favorite place to shoot. There are lots of other places, uh, including uh, some state places. But uh, it, it just, you know, for what little they charge uh, to have access to that facility, uh, it just, it's just a, it's a great value. Yeah, it, it really is. So it's, it's, it's a great place to go do. Um, uh, and, it, I mean, it's, it's great. They have the Bianchi Cup uh, every year that's held there. Um, and I, I remember uh, I... I took my Springfield uh, uh, 40 cal, and I participated out there one year. And the next year when I went out there, the folks at Glock uh, called me and wanted me to remind everybody that it was a Springfield that I was using. <laughs> um, because they, they want to ruin their reputation. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but it, it is, it's, a, it's a terrific place to shoot. And uh, if, if you're uh, looking to shoot barriers, paper, plates, uh it's got it all. Absolutely yeah. worth it. So that's what I uh, I intend to do. I would ask you if you intend to shoot more, but uh, with your, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know how you'd have time to even go to work if you shot any more than you do. It, it it makes for days. You know, it used to be we'd go three times a week or something like that when I had more time, or especially during the, the nice weather time, she'd be like, well, let's just go shoot this evening. Um, now it becomes a, okay, on Saturday we got to shoot, we got to get 1,200 rounds in, so we're going to do these exercises and make sure we get through them. Um, that's, of course, coming from a training background, and I need to keep that up because I'm still doing training for individuals, so I've got I've to keep up that, that level to make sure I'm not letting down anybody. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it becomes more focused, but it's worth doing. And the dry fire training, I cannot, and nobody believes it. I, mean, I shouldn't say nobody believes it. People that do it understand. But, man, dry fire training is, when you can do it safe, wonderful. Yeah, and there are some tips for doing it safe. Yes. <laughs> especially if you're in, in the house. That's right. we'll, we'll cover that and show and tell next on Gary on Gun.